have to fear is in war. Fear there is no substitute for victory. Let us never negotiate out of fear. We stand undivided, forever united, fighting hand in hand for the liberty we burn, for glory and honor for our sons and daughters, ever mindful of the lessons we've learned. Let the torch of freedom burn. Welcome to the intersection of faith and politics. This is Wall Builders Live with David Barton and Rick Green. Thanks for joining us today. Visit online at wallbuilders.com and wallbuilderslive.com. We've got a special program lined up for you this week. Going to share some more from Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green. This is the program that David and I put together to basically give you a quick start guide to the Constitution. So most people are not going to go spend five years studying every Supreme Court decision, studying all the debates of the Constitutional Convention and the ratification conventions and application of the Constitution over the last 200 years. Most people aren't going to do that. But all of us as citizens have a duty and a responsibility to study the Constitution, to understand where our rights and our freedoms are laid out in that document and how our government structure should work. The reason we have so much lawlessness in America today, the reason that our our president and, and our Congress and our courts have overstepped their boundaries and continue to do so it's because we, the people, don't know what those boundaries are. We don't know what the limitations are on each of those branches of government. We don't know what the proper jurisdictions are and responsibilities. So it's first up to us, we, the people, to learn these things, to understand the Constitution, and then we'll be able to properly elect good men and women that will also uphold that document and then to hold them accountable. But it begins with us. So what David and I did was we put together Constitution Alive, Meaning that the document is still alive today, it's still applicable today. Not meaning the, uh, you know, some folks say living, breathing document, it changes on a whim with what five of the nine justices want. Not at all. It can change, but only if the American people want it to change through the um, amendment process laid out in Article 5. What we mean by Constitution Alive is that what the original intent of the Constitution was still stands today. That that document is not dead. That it, those principles are alive and well today if we will apply them. And so we did two things. Number one, I went out to Philadelphia to Independence Hall, and right there in the very room where the Constitution was framed, where all the debates took place, and where it was signed by those men like Benjamin Franklin and others, right there in that room, same room where the Declaration of Independence was signed, same room where all those debates took place. In that room, we held a Constitution class, and we walked through the entire Constitution, all seven articles, all 27 amendments. And then David and I together in his library, an amazing library that has so many of the original documents, just it's unbelievable. He's got the largest private collection of Founding Fathers documents in the country. It's amazing. And so what we did was we took each of these segments of Constitution Alive and we went through those concepts in his library. And he was able to pull stuff off the shelf and say, look, Rick, here's where this is in, a, in an original writing. And it was just incredible. So we've actually put together a program where we take you both to Philadelphia, to where the Constitution was framed, and the Wall Builders Library and all of those original documents. And we just want to give you a sneak peek of it. We want to share it with you right here to our Wall Builders Live listeners, give you a chance to experience Constitution Alive. This week we want to share with you segment two, and that's our opportunity to give you the seeds of liberty, to lay the foundation before we get into those specific sections and clauses in the Constitution, to lay the foundation of the philosophy upon which the Constitution was built. And that's what we're going to share with you 
over the next four days. It'll be a four days of programs. It'll all be available to you free right there on our website at wallbuilderslive.com. And by the end of the week, you'll be able to take the links to all four programs and share those with your friends and family and get them educated on this part of the Constitution. So this is Section 2, The Seeds of Liberty, out of Constitutional Live with David Barton and Rick Green. We're going to start that segment right now. Back to Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green. In our first chapter, we kind of laid the foundation, talked about our purpose and approach and why it's important to study the Constitution. Now we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the, the secret sauce. Really, we're going to find out what that formula is that made the American experiment so successful. So, David, why are we not going to start with the Constitution? Why don't we back up a decade to the Declaration? We, go, we have to go to the Declaration because it's a document that set forth the principles. So the Constitution said, you remember those principles we, we gave you 11 years ago? Well, here's, here's the way we want them applied. So the Constitution's application of the principles, you have to go back to the principles. In the first session, we talked about kind of like baseball training camp, kind of like yeah. basketball camp. You go back and you get the basics right. And that's what the Constitution did is went back to those principles. Now, there's a real interesting movement that has been going for three to four decades in America, and that is to separate the Declaration from the Constitution. Oh, we take an oath to uphold the Constitution, not the Declaration. Oh, those documents, I remember one of the guys we worked with and got elected to Congress um, actually took out the Chairman Judiciary Committee. We have a letter from Chairman Judiciary Committee saying, no, no, the, doc, the Declaration is absolutely irrelevant in America. I wonder why they don't. Is it because it mentions God? Is it because well, it mentions God that? a lot, but it's... See, the, the thing is, if you ignore the principles, you can take and do anything you want with That's the word. That's true. You can change. You can change. You lose the intent. You, you can take that. Donate. We talked in the first session. You can take that screwdriver and make it into a shovel. Right. If I right. get rid of the owner's manual, if I get rid of the principles, then I can use this any way I want to. And so there is a movement to do that. Now, there, there's four reasons, real simple reasons, that people need to know why you do not separate the Declaration from the Constitution. You're going to talk about this in, in Independence Hall. And, and why we have to study the Declaration to even understand the Constitution. You cannot understand it. Yeah. You, you, will, you can never properly interpret and understand the, because the, the key is knowing what they were trying to do. Because yeah. that's, that's what you said. Well, they were trying to do certain things. Who cares if we've got cars and Internet? This, it's what they were trying to do in jurisdictional. So when you look at the Declaration of the Constitution, there, there's four reasons they can't be separated. The first is constitutional acts. The Constitution itself dates itself to the year of our independence. It does not date itself to what they did in 1787. That's not when they started numbering. The Constitution says we have done this Constitution in the 11th year of our independence. So, at the, so they saw that as the beginning. They, they saw, that saw the Declaration as the beginning See, and therefore part and, of it. And that's what we still do to this day. The current president, when he signs a presidential act, now these are early presidential acts. This one happens to be from, from John Quincy Adams. Hold that one. This is an actual, That's an actual presidential act signed by John Quincy John Adams. John Quincy Adams. Wow. Here's one. This one is one with James Madison. This is, you know, James Madison up here, signature down here. What's That's that? delicate. I can see why you didn't let me take this to Independence. By the way, a, a little bit of trivia on this. Um, your great-grandparents probably talked about getting their sheepskin when they graduated from college. Yeah. And that was their diploma, and that's because it was sheepskin. This is vellum. So this, this is animal oh, really? skin. So the, the old days, when you got a diploma, when you got a certificate, it was literally animal skin. Wow. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation. 
about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. Here, here's what you see, to see, signed there by the President, James Madison, but what you need to see is given under my hand the city of Washington, this Constitutional Act, the 19th day of June in the year of our Lord, which is the way the Constitution closes. So anybody who says it's secular, then what do you do with that? The year of our Lord, that's the Constitutional close, 1,813 and of the independence of the United States of America in the 37th year. So it's counting it's all the way It's a constitutional back. act that dates it back. It dates itself back to the, look at the one you got. So that's so 1813. And then they back up 37 years, and, and that's going to take us to year. So mine's second of March in the year of our Lord one 1820. I think that's a six, doesn't it? It looks it was 27. Oh, 27. Okay. And the independence of the United States of America. I can't read it. It's 50 something. But the point right. is, it does point go is back it's to going back to it goes back to not to the Constitution itself. Right. So if we, if we, okay, so that's one good reason, just the Constitution itself. What's the next? The second good reason is the way that states became part of the United States. You had to have an enabling act. So when we had the original 13 colonies, we also had territories, Southern Territory, the Ohio Territory, the Northwest Territory. If you want to become a state in the United States, you have to, you have to follow the provisions set up by Congress in an enabling act. So enabling acts, we had through what was called the Northwest Ordinance that says, all right, you get 40,000 people in your territory, you set up a territorial form of government, you have to have a Republican form of government, here's what you do in judiciary, education, et cetera. And those are the requirements. If you fulfill that, then you can become a state in the United States on application to Congress and Congress accepting that. It's interesting that the enabling acts for the states, whether you're Colorado, whether you're Nebraska, whether you're Nevada, wherever, it said you can't become a state in the United States unless you follow the principles of the Declaration and the wording of the Constitution. So to become a state, the two documents were joined together. Saying we don't want you part of our nation as a state unless you principles of the Declaration, you get those the wording of the Constitution. Wow. So that's the second reason. The third reason we point to is the U.S. Code's organic laws. Now the U.S. Code annotated is what lists all the laws of the United States with all the decisions on by courts telling you how they're currently interpreted. And on page one of the current federal code, and we know from the Supremacy Clause that federal law trumps state law, trumps state constitutions, et cetera. So the Supremacy Clause puts federal law at the top, up with the Constitution. And in this U.S. Code, which is federal laws, on page one, it lists four organic laws of the United States. And those are the four laws that no other law can be allowed to violate. And... One of those is the Declaration of Independence. So the Constitution and Declaration are two of the four organic laws. You cannot pass laws that violate the Declaration. So even our federal code recognizes that. And the fourth reason is fairly simple, grievance corollaries. And this is what you alluded to earlier. If you don't understand what the Declaration is trying to do, you don't understand what the Constitution did. Yeah. Because so many clauses in the Constitution came direct. 
they, they said in the deck, here's 27 reasons we're leaving Great Britain because they've got 27 things wrong. Well, 11 years later, when we get a chance to fix them, we do fix them. And so they don't want to happen again. We don't want to have it again. So, repeat, here's, so here's a simple one. You, you, you take, and if you want to know what Article 1, Section 5, Clause 4 in the Constitution means, you need to read Grievance Number 4 in the Declaration. So let's do that. This is, so they, we're literally taking them we're, together. We're, we're taking, taking them the together. Two documents together. So we're, we're going to take the two together. So Grievance Number 4 in the Declaration says he, the king, King George III, has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. We had Congresses, as state state legislators, said, we're not doing what the king wants. It says, okay, you're not going to meet in Williamsburg anymore. You're going to meet out in the boonies out He's here. Trying to make it difficult. That's right. Them for All your government documents are there in Williamsburg as a Virginian, but we're going to have you meet out in the boonies. Now let's see you get the documents. Let's see you refer to the laws. And so, and it was for the purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with the measures. So we don't want that happening in the Congress. So that's why in the Constitution, we're specifically told neither house during the session of Congress shall, without the consent of the other, adjourn for more than three days, nor to any other place than that in which the two houses shall be setting. You can't send us somewhere else, and it specifically gives that as a, as a corollary. Same thing if you want to know what Article 1, Section 4, Paragraph 1 and 2 means, you got to go back and read Grievances 5 and 6. Grievances 5 and 6, again, we're talking about King George III and the British. It says he's dissolved representative houses repeatedly. So he... He didn't like what they were doing. He would just wipe them out, as he did in Massachusetts. You're, you're, you're out of session. Your session just ended by my order. For opposing with manly firmness his invasion of the rights of the people. And that's what Massachusetts legislators are doing, standing for North Carolina, et cetera. Yeah. He has refused for a long time after such. So he wipes out the legislators. And then for a long time, he's refused to cause others to be elected. He wants us have let us have new elections. Basically taking away our right to representation. Yeah. That's right whereby the legislative powers, which are incapable of annihilation, in other words, legislative powers are supposed to be there. Government is ordained by God, just supposed to have those powers. They've been returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. We've lost our ability to have civil government. We're now in anarchy. Setting us up for easy invasion, easy... Because nobody can make decisions or protect yeah. us. So, Constitution says specifically, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof, but the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations except as in the place of choosing senators. The Congress shall assemble at least once in every year, and such meetings shall be on the first Monday in December unless they shall by law appoint a different day. Quite frankly, you can't wipe out Congress and tell us we can't meet for years. We're going to make sure we get together once every year. So in other words, you're not going to be able to dissolve us. Yeah. We've got to be together, and we are going to get together at least once a year, so you can't wipe us out for five years and tell us don't come. Constitution took care of that grievance. It's, it sets up the playbook. It sets up, here's the parameters. That's here's exactly right. going to happen. You can't change That's it, right. Because we don't want this to be willy-nilly to whatever the king wants. That's right. This has got to be set. It's, and two, two more quick examples. Okay. Article 1, Section 8, uh, Paragraph 4, Clause 4. If you want to know what that means, you read Grievance 7 in the Declaration. Grievance 7 in the Declaration says, He, the king, has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose, obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migration. So that he wants our numbers as small as he can get them. And he won't let us grow. And he's not letting us have immigration. By the way, immigration for a long time, including through the early presidents, was a state issue, not a federal issue. Interesting. States are the ones who set immigration laws. And so you're not immigrating in the United States. You're immigrating. You're going to live in Virginia. You're going to live in North Carolina. You're going to live in Georgia. So the states are the ones who set the immigration laws or yeah. under the Constitution. So. He said, well, what's happened is we're trying to get more people in our states to populate, and he won't let us do that. And so the Constitution says, ah, they we'll fix it. this. The Congress shall have power to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. You're not going to be able to shut down immigration. You, you can't shut it down. 
And here's the fourth and final example. Uh, if you want to understand Article 1, Section 8, Clause 9, you have to read Grievance Number 8. And it says, he's obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. Now, this is one of, there's four grievances in the Declaration where the Founding Fathers are complaining about what he was doing judiciary. And they specifically said, he doesn't let the judges be accountable to the people. He's given them lifetime appointments. He's running the judges, not us. And so he's obstructed our administration of justice. He wiped out for a while jury trials, etc. John Adams went through the roof when they didn't have jury trials. But the, the, the British were taking judges to make policy. They were taking judges to keep the Americans pushed down. So what we did was say, well, we're not letting that happen. Congress will have power to constitute tribunals and periods of report. Congress is the one who takes care of judges. Congress is the we're not going to have the king telling, having judges tell us what to do. We're going to have Congress open yeah. the judges. So it, you cannot understand the Constitution without the Declaration, and, and that's because of Constitution itself dates itself back there. Uh, the Enabling Act, you can't be part of the United States if you don't follow both documents. Our current federal code says you have to follow both documents, and you just don't understand the Constitution without the Declaration. Yeah. So there's you no way to separate the two. You've got to put them together. you got to study both that's of them. That's the framework for it. That's yeah. the framework. All right, well, let's dive into that framework. We're going to get into some of those seeds of liberty, and let's go back to the place where those seeds bore fruit. We're headed to Independence Hall. Hey guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have at Wall Builders called The American Story. For so many years, people have asked us to do a history book to help tell more of the story that's just not known or not told today. And we would say very providentially, in the midst of all of the new attacks coming out against America, whether it be from things like the 1619 Project that say America is evil and everything in America was built off slavery, which is certainly not true, or things like even the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization itself, not, not the statement Black Lives Matter, but the organization that says we're against against everything that America was built on, and this is part of the Marxist ideology. There's so many things attacking America. Well, is America worth defending? Well, what is the true story of America? We actually have written and told that story, starting with Christopher Columbus, going roughly through Abraham Lincoln. We tell the story of America, not as the story of a perfect nation or a perfect people, but the story of how God used these imperfect people and did great things through this nation. It's a story you want to check out. Wallbuilders.com, The American Story. This is David Barton with another moment from America's history. What is the purpose of government? Founding Father Oliver Ellsworth believed he knew. Oliver Ellsworth was a delegate at the convention which formed the Constitution and later he became the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Concerning the purpose of government, Oliver Ellsworth declared, the primary objects of government are the peace, order, and prosperity of society. Yet how were these goals to be achieved? Ellsworth explained, to the promotion of these objects, good morals are essential. Institutions for the promotion of good morals are therefore objects of legislative provision and support, and among these, religious institutions are eminently useful and important. Founding Father Oliver Ellsworth believed government could never reach its goals apart from the help of religious institutions. For more information on God's hand in American history, contact Wall Builders at 1-800-8-REBUILD. Welcome back to the Constitutional Live. We're now going to talk about the seeds of liberty, what the ideas were that these guys actually sowed into our nation and how, how it created such a successful nation. And remember that what John Jay told us, our secret uh, formula for how we're going to study the Constitution, he said to make sure that you not only read, but study the Constitution. So if we're going to study it, 
we got to get inside the minds of these guys. we got to know what that original intent. If that's going to be our focus, is original intent, we got to go back to what these guys actually put in place. I always think it's important not just to study the Constitution, but to study the Declaration with the Constitution. In fact, the founder said you really had to do that. I like the way John Quincy Adams put it. In my language, he said that it was the slab that the home of the Constitution was built upon, the Declaration was. But here's the way he said it. The Declaration of Independence was the platform upon which the Constitution of the United States had been erected. The principles proclaiming the Declaration of Independence were embodied in the Constitution of the United States. I, I like the analogy to a business. If you've uh, ever incorporated a business, you got your Articles of Incorporation, you got your, your bylaws. Well, your Articles of Incorporation kind of tell the world, this is what we are, this is who we are, this is what we're about. And then the bylaws are the rules by which that company's going to operate. In this room, they gave us our Articles of Incorporation in the Declaration of Independence, the philosophy of America. It said, here's who we are, what we're about, and what we're going to do. And then the Constitution, that's our bylaws. That's the rules by which our nation operates. That's the rules of our nation. So we like to take them together. And I, I find it interesting that when you look at them side by side, you find a lot of the grievances in the Declaration of Independence actually solved in the Constitution. Grievances that, that they said, we're separating from the mother country over this, and we want to make sure that our nation never does the same thing. Now, of course, if you, if you grew up like I did on, on Saturday morning watching Schoolhouse Rocks, <laughs> anybody else watching? Okay, I'm the only one in the room. Anyway, Schoolhouse, you know, I'm a Bill, the little guy. Well, in Schoolhouse Rocks, what's the one reason why we declared our independence from Great Britain? What's the one everybody always talks about? Taxation without representation, right? That's the one we all know. 27 reasons. That was like number 17. It's way down on the list. You had religious liberty issues. You had judicial tyranny issues. A lot of things that we're going to raise later tonight. But all of these grievances in the Declaration, so many of them are mentioned in the Constitution. So let's start with the Declaration. And let's go back again to this room and these guys in this room. And actually, let's, let's back up about a month before what we talked about earlier. On June 7, 1776, Richard Henry Lee, right over here from Virginia, stands up and he makes the motion. He says that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. And that's treason. He just committed treason right here in Independence Hall. He committed treason against the mother country. John Adams seconds the motion. Guy taking the journal scratches out both their names because he knows that's the two guys King George is going after right off the bat. They debate it. They talk about it for several days. They talk about what they, should they even consider this? If they do consider it, how should they go about doing it? Talk, talk, talk. Finally, those five guys you see in the middle of the screen, those were the five guys that were given the responsibility for drafting the Declaration of Independence. And immediately, you probably recognize Jefferson and Franklin. Uh, Franklin's on the right of Jefferson there, and to the far left is Adams. Two guys in the middle there, that's Roger Sherman and Robert Livingston. Livingston actually ended up not getting to sign. Here, he's the guy, the chairman, actually, of the committee to write the Declaration, but he gets called away and doesn't get a chance uh, to sign. But anyway, so these guys come back with the Declaration. As you know, Jefferson did all the heavy lifting. In fact, Right around the corner, they've rebuilt his, his apartment there, and they put all these original furnishings back in. It's incredible. You can go in and see the, 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 the place where he wrote the Declaration of Independence. You can see the things that he wrote it with. It's just phenomenal. But, so he, he drafts it, brings it back in. They debated here for several days, and they're debating and debating. Finally, one of the guys has had all he can handle. I mean, he's just tired of the talk. He wants some action. He's not a well-known founding father. I think he sat over in this corner over here. His name was Larry. And Larry got up, and he said, guys, it's time to get her done. I'm waiting for a ranger to tackle me for saying that because that, that did not happen. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't Larry. It was actually John Witherspoon.
Have you ever wanted to learn more about the United States Constitution, but just felt like, man, the classes are boring, or it's just that old language from 200 years ago, or I don't know where to start? People want to know, but it gets frustrating because you don't know where to look for truth about the Constitution either. Well, we've got a special program for you available now called Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green, and it's actually a teaching done on the Constitution at Independence Hall in the very room where the Constitution was framed. We take you both to Philadelphia, the Cradle of Liberty and Independence Hall, and to the Wall Builders Library, where David Barton brings the history to life to teach the original intent of our founding fathers. We call it the Quick Start Guide to the Constitution because in just a few hours through these videos, you will learn the Citizen's Guide to America's Constitution. You'll learn what you need to do to help save our constitutional republic. It's fun, it's entertaining, and it's going to inspire you to do your part to preserve freedom for future generations. It's called Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green. You can find out more information on our website now at wallbuilders.com. It was Witherspoon from New Jersey right here saying, you know, it was kind of a 1776 version of Get Her Done because John Dickinson had actually said, the people are not ripe for revolution. So Witherspoon gets up and he says, they're not only ripe, but rotting. He said, let's take the vote. They took the vote. The vote failed. They actually had three states that said no initially. South Carolina, Delaware, and Pennsylvania all said no. Now, Delaware was close, man. Delaware was a tie. Delaware was a one-to-one -one tie, and the third delegate, Caesar Rodney, wasn't here. He'd been called back home a Brigadier General, and, and instantly Thomas McKean, the yes vote, he knows, man, if Rodney was here, we could get independence. But if Rodney doesn't get back by the time we take the vote again, independence is going to fail. Well, we're out of time for today, folks. That was the first of a four-part series laying out for you the entire second section of Constitution Alive. This is where we cover the seeds of liberty. And if you tuned in in the middle of the program, you can get this entire program today online at wallbuilderslive.com right now. And by the end of the week, you'll be able to get all four programs that are going to share with you, free of charge, Section 2 out of Constitution Alive. If you'd like to know more about Constitution Alive, visit constitutionalive.com. We're going to pick up tomorrow exactly where we left off today with David Barton and myself, Rick Green, on Constitution Alive. Thanks for listening today to Wall Builders Live with David Barton and Rick Green. We stand undivided. Forever you